Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. The UCP leadership race is in full tilt, and it seems like some of the positions that are getting put out there are a little bit, let's go with unorthodox to start with. Some of the most unorthodox positions that we've seen have been coming from, by and large, one of the front runners, Danielle Smith, and a key point of her campaign has had to do with the Free Alberta Strategy and something called the Alberta Sovereignty Act. A lot of controversy around this, and hopefully in order to try to get a little bit of a better understanding as to what's going on with it, what the problems with it are, and what the feasibility is, we are very excited to be joined today by Martin Olshinsky. He is a University of Calgary Associate Law Professor, a practicing lawyer, and some other things he's going to tell you about in just a sec. Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. So to, before we get into this thing, uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I mean, so I, um, I've been at the University of Calgary, I guess, for almost 10 years. I think I joined in 2013. Um, before that, I was a lawyer uh, in Ottawa, actually working for the federal government for about six years um, at the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. So I've sort of always been doing, uh, kind of cut my teeth doing environmental natural resources law for the federal government as a lawyer and then as an academic that's been my sort of main uh, wheelhouse um, but uh, one of the things actually when you teach uh, or, or research and write about environmental law um, it's, it's very heavily administrative um, right so like so much of it is about you know there's there's definitely suing polluters and all that kind of stuff but if you actually think about environmental law for instance a lot of it is actually about holding governments to account and so I've always been very interested in and had to know something about, um, you know, judicial supervision of government action, right? And like the way that the courts enforce our laws, they enforce our constitution. So I've always sort of been interested in that. And, and then in the last few years, actually about four or five years ago was, was actually asked to start teaching one of our core courses is called administrative law. Um, and something that all students have to learn. And some of the things that we're gonna talk about here right away um, sort of fall into that wheelhouse. And so I've been sort of tracking a lot of these developments. In fact, the, the Free Alberta Strategy and the Alberta Sovereignty Act, um, they're sort of popular or in the news anyways right now, but they were announced like a year ago. And in fact, a year ago in my administrative law class, I was sort of pulling my hair out in front of my students already. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it's important to highlight when we're, and we're going to get, as you said, we're going to get into it with the, the free Alberta strategy and the Alberta sovereignty act, a big part of what's driving, I think the, the interest from people who maybe aren't versed particularly well in constitutional law or environmental law is the fact that there is this feeling how rooted in reality it is, is probably up for some debate, but there's a feeling that uh, Ottawa tells us what resources we can develop and, and how we can develop them and all of that. So I think there's a, it's important to highlight right out of the gates, there's a really big environmental piece to what Danielle Smith is pursuing with this, because she's been talking about the, the, the port of uh, Churchill and digging big holes in mud, because that works well. Um, so, but let's, let's, to start with, what's your understanding of the Free Alberta strategy? Because the Alberta Sovereignty Act is kind of a piece of that. That's right. Yeah. Well, they call it their, their kind of the cornerstone or, or sort of like a really integral part of it. Right. So, I mean, you know, essentially this is um, 
uh, you know, thinly disguised separatism, right? Like, and 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 I think that's an important point um, to make uh, because we're going to talk eventually about things like democracy and and the rule of law, and 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 it, and and essentially it comes back to this question of like, you know, and when you think about the way that pundits, in particular, like the mainstream media, tends to talk about this, it's it is just anti-Ottawa sentiment, right? It's just standing up to Ottawa, um, and of course. Uh, that is part of what animates it for sure, right? So the Free Alberta strategy is this essentially this idea that we can become sort of a, a nation within a nation. There's often this sort of like borrowing of the Quebec example. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff in there that's sort of, you know, our own pension plan, our own police force. And, and so whatever, like to some extent, uh, sure, like it has its roots and we could talk about the firewall letter, right? And, and all that kind of stuff from, from back in the day. But then there's these other parts here. And, and the Sovereignty Act is kind of like a, a really big part of this, right? It, it sort of recognizes that, well, you know, you, you can't actually have separatism by another name. You, you know, separatism is one thing. And, and so what they're trying to propose here can't actually achieve that unless they jam the system. Uh, and, and the system I'm referring to then is really essentially like the rule of law, our courts, you know, and, and, our, and our system of democratic governance, the separation of powers, right? So, so for instance, you know, and without getting into the nitty gritty of it too, uh, not to get too technical, but like there's no actually space in our constitution. When we think about, you know, there's a list there we call section 91 and section 92. These are these sections that say the federal government gets to pass laws in relation to the things that are mentioned here in section 91 and the provincial government gets to pass things that are less listed in section 92. There's no section, there's no part of section 92 that says that the provincial government can pass laws that essentially disallow federal laws from applying, right? It just doesn't, it's just not there. There's actually nothing also in the constitution that says that the provincial government can give itself that authority essentially to declare what laws are, you know, are, are constitutional or not. That's, that's what our courts do. And, and, and so then we have this whole separation of powers, right? This idea that there's an executive, there's a legislature and there's a judicial branch. And we need them to be separate so that they keep each other in check. And so the thing, the thing, the big thing with the Alberta Sovereignty Act that I have a hard time, I think, articulating sometimes and, and getting across to people is that, you know, this is like, a, we have this separation of powers that's existed for hundreds of years as kind of like a core building block of democracy, right? It's like, when you think back to the founding fathers in the US, they spent all this time thinking about tyranny and thinking about how things have gone wrong. And they wanted to build a system of government that would withstand that. And they said, here is the basic model. We need to have these three branches and they need to be separate. The Alberta Sovereignty Act just like, just completely just like tosses that aside. It's like, no, no big deal. Our legislature can decide these things. We're gonna decide. And if the courts don't like it, too bad. We don't care, basically. We're gonna ignore the courts, right? And so that's, you know, like it's, it's you know, going, it's, it's easy, you know, sometimes, you know, I have sometimes people referring, saying, oh, well, you know, you don't need to panic. It's going to be okay. And it's like, well, I'm not panicking. But I think I, it's, it's really, it's impossible to overstate what a, what a massive departure this is from basic norms of, of democratic governance, and especially this idea. And so, so when, and I've seen Ms. Smith get on radio and on Twitter, whatever it is. Um, you, you still get to see her Twitter? Yes, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, I've told, you know, and I, 
I mean, and I, and I, and I, you know, this is sort of funny, but, or, you know, it's like, I, I refer to her as a tyrant and, and, and I know that that's like an edgy term and, or maybe, maybe it is for some, maybe some people just don't even understand what I'm trying to get across, but, but, you know, anyway, she hasn't, it hasn't been enough, uh, or it doesn't bother her, you know, maybe she's not too worried about it anyways, that's fine. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, like the reality is, is that, you know, she's basically said, I am prepared to ignore the courts. I think at one point she even, she sort of threatened the courts, you know, she said that if they were to strike down this law, that that would create a crisis, right? And it's like, that's not her place ever. That's, that's not, the, it's not a, it's not a politician's job. It's not a premier's job to sort of, to, to try to push around the courts to get, to get the outcome that she wants. Um, and so there's this like deeply undemocratic vibe that comes across in that in the free Alberta strategy and the people who are pushing it. And, and again, I think they sometimes, you know, there's this idea for the people who are sort of on the sidelines to sort of say, well, but it's this is just Ottawa. You know, I think Don Braid always just refers to it as sort of the anti-Ottawa thing. It's not an anti-Ottawa thing. It's an anti-law thing. It's an, you know, like it's an anti-democratic governance thing. And, and if you peel back, you know, a little bit more too, even just going back to the free Alberta strategy, like the whole thing is a trick, right? Like if you wanted separatism, go for separatism, but they're not because they know that, I, I think they know that most Albertans aren't there. They don't have a majority of Albertans who are prepared to go there. And so right off the bat, that's your first clue, I think, that someone is, that this is more than just anti-Ottawa sentiment. This is somebody who is prepared to go to a certain lengths and to take certain steps um, to thwart or, or get around democracy because they think, because it interferes with their goals, right? And so it's a, you know, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's hugely, hugely problematic. One of the things that, that I found very interesting about the, the Alberta Sovereignty Act as it's described in the Free Alberta Strategy, I mean, first of all, there's been no text of this act that I've been able to find anywhere. So it's just sort of this, trust us, which always ends well historically. Um, but the other piece of it is, is that it, it's, it's another piece of legislation that treats Albertans as if the, the province is a monolith. I mean, there's a, there's a phrase in the, the Free Alberta Strategy where it says the, um, this would provide Alberta's legislature with the authority to refuse enforcement of any specific act of parliament or federal court ruling that elect Alberta's electorate body deemed to be a federal intrusion into an era of provincial jurisdiction, and this is, this is the part that really grabs me, or unfairly prejudicial to the interests of Albertans. I mean, you could probably come up with some more subjective wording, but my immediate reaction to the hearing that is, is, okay, so which interests, which Albertans, and this is all being defined by the, the Premier's office? Am I reading too much into that or? No, I mean, look, I mean, so, I mean, to some extent it's, it, it, you know, and we've been, I don't know how long you've been here. Like I said, I've been here about 10 years. I mean, part of that's kind of par for the course, especially I find um, with some politicians and some political sort of like groups to, to, to speak in that way um, of, of that, to assume that monolithic voice, to assume that sort of um, uniformity, um, you know, Jason Kenney did it for sure. Um, you know, I think um, there's obviously, I mean, when we look at the record of 
of, of the current government and voting. I mean, obviously, yeah, the idea that this is somehow like a democratic thing and that any MLA would be expected to vote with their conscience or whatever, you know, whatever the idea is there that they would all vote, you know, and, and, and but she, she, I think even mentioned very quickly that she was quite confident that she would get the votes that she needed on some of those issues, right? Um, but for sure that idea of, of that there is this just like monolithic uniform Albertan, right? And, and you know, and I think um, we know we have, uh, there's some awesome work being done by that, by Jared Wesley, I think at, at U of A has done some work on that, right? The idea of what do Albertans, how do they conceive of themselves? But, you know, what I wanted to, to sort of tie into here a bit is, you know, um, think about the anti-Alberta inquiry, right? The, the uh, what was it called? It was the public inquiry into anti-Alberta energy campaigns. And, and of course, what it was is, is a group of organizations, both inside and outside of, of Alberta, who uh, were concerned about climate change, right? And, um, and, and were concerned about the scale and pace of development um, in, in the province of oil sands, which, which everyone actually knew, like even the government would be, if you look at the news stories along the way, like everyone knew things were running red hot. Um, and it was a huge problem for Mac had huge issues of capacity, you know, and, and, and infrastructure and services. Um, but, you know, instead of saying like, oh, here's a group of people who have concerns about climate change. Uh, no, they were anti Albertan. Right. So, so, you know, to some extent, you know, and again, I like today catching, you know, so Jason Kenny today said the premier said that, you know, he thought the Alberta Sovereignty Act was nuts. Um, and he said that he didn't think it would, you know, he didn't think even the lieutenant governor would maybe even pass, sort of like pass it into law, do that sort of symbolic work that that she does. Um, and and I was sort of like scratch my head. And I was like, oh crap! Like I agree with the premier, um, which is probably something like, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, but but of course, like he 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 owns this, right? This was this is like a, a political culture. The, the Alberta Sovereignty Act and and um, and the Free Alberta Strategy are the logical conclusion or or next the sort of next step in uh, a kind of politics that's been picking up steam in this province for you know four or five years, right? This and and it has those things you know exactly that, the idea that there is a monolithic Albertan interest that it's always in antagonism to Ottawa that it doesn't accept certain things that the rest of Canada consider important, things like climate change. Um, and so this really strong othering and, and, and really sort of them versus us, right? You know, it's, always, uh, it's always that battle, them versus us. I, I can't help but think, like even for the, the most ardent conservative UCP supporters, I should say, because I think there is a difference for a lot of people in between what a conservative is and what the UCP has become. That's a whole different conversation. But for a lot of, of people, I think it's pretty easy to look at the track record of the current government that believed that it had the, the best interests of Albertans. Um, that's what they were acting on. And you can see these like series of, it would be comical if they weren't so consequential missteps where they've gone and done a very big thing very very badly and i think that kind of that, that's what what alarms part of what alarms me the most about this whole thing because you know it, if you're going to say we're going to pick and choose as a as a legislative body what greater laws we're going to follow or not i mean first of all the the immediate sort of question that i have is like cool so can like calgary do that too 
can can Airdrie say, hey, you know what, Alberta, we've decided to institute our Airdrie Sovereignty Act and, you know, whatever, we're going to serve only pickles on Tuesdays or something, I don't know. But the, the, the idea that you're going to be so right that you're going to defy not only the laws, but the systems that put those laws in place and ensure that, that they do the things they're supposed to do. That seems like, you know, if, if, if maybe they had a better track record of getting stuff right, it would be slightly less alarming. But the track record is so abysmally like, oh, we got that run wrong too. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for how they're able to sell this. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good point. I mean, part of it is that, of course, you know, th this is where, um, you know, Ms. Smith has been, I think, very uh, deliberate in sort of like casting herself as the anti-establishment candidate. So, so all of the things that you described get hung on the establishment. And she says, I'm not that, um, you know, and, but, but absolutely it's, you know, even if, if you say something like, you know, which is tends to be a conservative actually principle, right? The idea that, you know, government's actually not very good at things. So we should be more humble and let the free market do more, for instance, and we should, you know, and, and so smaller government um, to think then that that same kind of group would then sort of jump head first into uh, a sort of unprecedented experiment where exactly and as exactly as you say i mean once once the courts don't matter once you once you say that you're prepared to ignore the courts in some instances then of course you're prepared to ignore them in all instances and just as importantly though you've lost the authority to insist that others respect those institutions right um and so you know calgary edmonton can do it you know uh what about British Columbia more, more specifically? Perhaps British Columbia doesn't actually, you know, well, we know that they actually aren't super stoked, for instance, on having a federal pipeline cut through, um, you know, and make it their way down to their, to their coast. So, you know, like all bets are off, you know, and it, and it sounds really, again, it's like, it's so hard to convey this point that like, these are our institutions. These are our like institutional arrangements and as much as they can be robust, they are also fragile. And once you take them apart, it is, it can be very difficult to put them back together, right? Like, you know, we all, you know, and as a, as a law prof, for instance, right? Like, I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I, I, I think I can overstate probably sometimes in my own mind, you know, the, the tangibility of law and, 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 and the rule of law. Um, and yet so much of it depends on you know, essentially like the handshake, right? Like our courts don't have their own enforcement. Courts don't have their own police force. We have a police force and, and the police carry out court orders when they have to, right? And legislatures, for instance, I mean, you know, like they respect the courts, not because the courts will come over there and knock them over the head, but because that's the institutional arrangement that we've accepted for 200 years is fundamental to preserving democracy and the rule of law. And so when any, and, and so this is, this is what I said would happen. So when any politician says like, whatever, that's, that's like, that's disqualifying, right? And I know people don't like to, you know, and, 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 and Ms. Smith will go on about cancel culture, something like that, about that in that moment. But, but it's actually really, it's, it's just, it's just stating a very plain fact that, you know, 
democracy isn't inevitable. It's, it's actually quite difficult. And one of the things I think you and I have, have gone back and forth a bit on Twitter about this, and, and I got my hands on Tim Snyder's book um, on tyranny, right? And you know, one of the things right off the bat, which I thought was super useful for me in this space, because I've talked about how awkward it is sometimes to talk about these things and raising the alarm that it feels like our political discourse isn't um, capable of really having this discussion. Because when we think about tyranny and fascism and all those things, of course, we think about them after the fact, right? We saw after they went and did those things, but of course, before they did those things, they weren't those things, right? They, they had to get there. They first had, you know, and so one of the things that was, again, like when you look at history um, is that these things do happen. And if we're not vigilant about them, if we don't insist on certain things, um, like, like, no, you don't go around essentially like declaring yourself to be above the law and above the courts, that that's just disqualifying. Doesn't matter what you're selling, doesn't matter what your brand is and how angry everybody else is going to be, that that's just not on. Um, and we kind of need to get back to that place. And, and, and this, these kind of discussions, I think, are, are part of that. So like, if you want to separate, that's your jam, fill your boots. Like, I, I'll support your right to, to advocate for that. I might not agree. That's fine. But when you start to talk about subverting the rule of law, ignoring the courts, pushing a kind of like, essentially like a, a nihilistic sort of view of everything, um, nothing matters. Um, the courts, every law is just politics to the, you know, and taking that to an extreme degree, then, then we really start getting into trouble. And, and it's, again, it's, it's hard to understand how, how bad that trouble can be, but it, but what we know from history that it can be very bad. Yeah. I mean, sp speaking of the historical piece, I've been trying to find a, a record of a leader historically who has said, uh, I'm going to pick and choose what laws I'm going to follow. I'm also going to have my own police force and things have worked out well. <laughs> I mean, his, his history does not have any examples that I could find of somebody who's, who, who wants to centralize power so deeply uh, and rejects the, the institutions on which a society is founded and that's worked out okay. Usually there's, there's chapters in history books about folks who have tried to, to do that sort of thing. I also wanted to kind of touch on your your comment earlier about how you know people are saying don't be alarmist about this. One of the things that I've I've heard talked about a lot is you know the reality is as a society we've just gone through 3 years almost of unmitigated shit show uh because of of covid and all of the the things that have come with that. Um, and there are historical examples of when a society goes through a time of crisis, you get these people that pop up that claim to have all the solutions and they're the ones that you can, you know, trust to solve the problems and they centralize the power. It doesn't seem like it, it, again, like there's no examples of that working out particularly well. Is that something that you're at all concerned about? Do you think that there's, there's part of the conversation that needs to be, hey, maybe we don't wait till the whole, whole house is burnt down. Maybe when we smell smoke, we go, maybe we have a problem here. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so like two points. The one just for a second, going back to what you're saying earlier, because of course, what always happens in this conversation is people say, but Quebec. Um, and then, so I just want to make it very clear that you're exactly right, that there is no precedent for this, for something like the Free Alberta Strategy. 
the Quebec government has for sure, for instance, had made symbolic votes about, for instance, that, you know, the COVID emergency or whatever, but that wasn't a law. They didn't pass a law. They didn't say that they weren't going, you know, it was essentially just like, it was just a bunch of what they call their members of parliament, um, sort of just like vote, you know, essentially expressing their disapproval or something like that. Um, when they use, when they do use the charter, there are, there's this notwithstanding clause, right? In the charter and people always sort of think that now it's just like this free for all, but actually the, the, the notwithstanding clause in the charter is like this like very specific tool that applies to specific rights uh, under the charter. Um, it doesn't apply to federalism. It doesn't apply to uh, banning federal laws. In fact, what it does is what it allows. And I note this with some irony because Quebec, of course, like it's hard to really pin down the politics there, but it's kind of a conservative government um, as is Ontario. So both Quebec and Ontario, when they use the notwithstanding clause, they use it to shield their own laws from charter scrutiny, right? So it's not, they're not tearing down or blocking federal law. They're, they're saying basically, we know our laws charter is non, is non-compliant with the charter and we don't care. Um, and it's like too bad. And, and so they can do that and that's a prerogative and, and they're sort of like their citizens can decide, you know, punish them essentially at the polls. That's the idea that, you know, that that was, I think the theory at the time, but that's how that would work. But anyway, so I just want to say that anytime anyone says that this is like, that there are precedents for the free Alberta strategy in other parts of Canada, there are not. They, those are just like totally not the case. Um, yeah, I mean, and on the second point, again, all, all you know, you know, I absolutely like you, you know, and of course the, the other thing of course too is, and this was the issue with COVID too, is that people worry, you know, if you take steps, if you do sort of, if someone does raise the alarm or, or a group of people do, and, and mitigation measures are, you know, some kind of mitigation is undertaken, let's say, then all of a sudden, like the thing that was going to happen doesn't happen. And people say, see, you didn't need to panic, right? You didn't need to freak out. And it's like, well, no, but we did the thing. And, and that's why it didn't happen. So, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, like I said, I, I, I have this, like, I have, you know, and there's, a, you know, obviously there's a bunch of people who are raising the alarm, I think, on this. Um, and, and, you know, speaking for myself, I, I'll admit that I sometimes have um moments of like being kind of self-conscious about it and sort of being like do i do i want to be that guy again right now maybe i can just leave it alone you know maybe i should just go for a bike ride or something um but but it's but it is a big deal it is a big deal and 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 it seems like again if you look at history and you look at precedents and you look at the people who are, have thought about this um then they all seem to sort of say no you have to say stuff you have to you, you kind of have to don't, you know, one of the really important, one of the interesting things is, um, you know, in, in, in Tim Snyder's book on tyranny, one of the first, the first lesson is don't, don't obey in advance, basically, right? Like, don't kind of like give away the game, um, you know, and, and so, you know, so anyways, you know, reading all that kind of stuff, thinking about that kind of stuff, some of it's very intuitive, I think, and then, but yeah, you, you just, you have to, and, and it does seem awkward, and it does seem um weird uh and maybe some people you know again people will sort of say oh you're panicking or whatever and it's like i say well no i'm not panicking actually like you should see me panicking i can you know i panic when i've got three kids for instance to deal with um but this is me saying no like but pay attention right pay attention now i got i got two other big questions that i i, I promised myself i would ask and you teed me up on one of them so i'm just going to jump right into it given that this is potentially, he said cautiously, a law. I mean, the, assuming that the governor 
lieutenant governor doesn't go, ah, hell no, uh, this could potentially become a law on Alberta's books. And is there a risk or a possibility of uh, the, the provincial government, Danielle Smith's group of folks saying, ah, it's a law, so now we're going to notwithstanding clause this too, suckers? No, no, because it doesn't, it, it doesn't, um, like, again, the notwithstanding clause can be used to essentially shield laws from sections two and seven through to 15 of the charter. So freedom of expression. And then, you know, seven through 15 are essentially like uh, equality rights and, and rights of due process. Um, you, you know, when whoever it is who walks into court, and, and I'll say that right now, like, if this law becomes like, uh, makes its way through the, the legislature and is passed, that day, um, there will be people in court to have it struck down. And, and, and I think there's, there's like zero question that it'll be struck down. There's like, it's not even, there's, there's no, like, there's, there's not even like, uh, like it just doesn't even pass the red face test. Like there's nothing you could do to convince a court. Like, and again, and I'll say, obviously we haven't seen, we don't have the draft text or whatever, but just like the basic, as it's been explained, that the legislature would sit there and declare which laws from Ottawa that's not, you know, that it deems to sort of like violate its rights. So, so like, first of all, there is no power, there's no lawmaking power like that in the constitution. There's nothing in the constitution that says that a province can pass laws to pass judgment on other, the other level of government's laws. But, but second and more fundamentally for me always is that's not their job. The legislature doesn't get to pass judgment on laws. That's what the courts do. And, and so I think, you know, that same day, I mean, you know, and there are ways this is like, this then becomes like falls into sort of like legal strategy and, and the kinds of like relief that you can seek. Um, but suffice it to say, like, I think again, yeah, the day that this law, if, if this law ever passed that same day, it's going to be challenged. And that same day, I think parties would look to have it declared like unlawful that same day, or at the very least to prohibit the government from taking any steps towards implementing it. Uh, until such a time, you know, until the courts, and that's because our courts take some time sometimes. And so, sure, fair game. Um, but there's a process for that. There's a test. And again, there's no question to, in my mind that uh, anyone challenging this law would be successful. So, so for sure, you know, and I wonder, you know, it's, it's, it's like fair point. Like, you know, let's go into things. It's like, like, so what's the, so then what? Right? Like you, you got everyone hopped up on this notion of this law. You said that it was going to be a big part of your fight back strategy and it's going to get torpedoed the day that you pass it you know and so then that's when you know rob anderson says for instance um so what we'll just ignore the courts the courts will say it's unconstitutional we'll ignore them right and 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 that's and that's the world then suddenly that and then and then we're into the shit, right at that point i mean once once that happens like how do you why would anyone then you know like there's you know, well, maybe you and I, and, and, you know, maybe the majority of people tend to be sort of like law abiding, right? But like, holy smokes, what a precedent. Well, the premier doesn't have to listen to the law. Okay, sounds good. The, the thought experiment that I want to, <laughs> I realize it's probably a reach, but, you know, looking at the, the authors of the, uh, the, the Free Alberta Strategy, without commenting on them at all, because I don't want to go anywhere near that. Um, but 
like we're we're talking about some some folks who have some background in the things what's the what's the counter argument for like you know like here's what i'm trying to to make sense of i'll i'll, I'll use a metaphor if 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 i was to go to a a car buying place and the 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 car dealer said you know what i know that you're looking for a car with uh with with round wheels but let me tell you we got it we got some square wheels they're going to change your world you know there's a part of me that wants to go okay what does this guy know that i don't because that sounds so outrageous there's no way that, that there's any kind of like either you're just lying to me because i wore my sucker face to the car dealership or there's something that you know that i don't so in the most generous interpretation how does this thing get to be a thing you know and uh, yeah i mean so that's that's the that's probably you know a question uh, like the million dollar question uh, my own my own assessment on it i the only thing i can think is that they are so uh far you know i don't want to say so far gone but essentially like there is there is this like real antipathy this real hatred this real sort of like opposition to um all kinds of things like globalization right and science uh, action on climate change right like so like there's a whole bunch of things that are happening in the world that don't jive with these authors uh in for as an example and 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 that's been the case for a you know number of years decades um and i think they just you know and again we're we're speculating but like the only thing i can think is just that they hate that stuff so much that actually you know what you and i might consider like a bad trade off they don't see that way actually because to them the status quo the current situation is so so bad that they're prepared to like you know figuratively burn it all down because even if yeah, yeah as bad as that might be it's better to them than continuing the status quo right like and you have to remember like you know one of these uh, you know, one of the authors also wrote a report for the Allen Inquiry, right, talking about essentially like the watermelon uh, uh, sort of activists, right, they're green on the outside, eco activists and red socialists on the inside, right. Um, and so, like, there's, you know, and then the net, you know, there were, you know, so like, there is this, like, these folks, some of them for sure think that um, there really is this, like, uh, conspiracy uh, in the world that that people want people to be energy poor, that people, you know, that people want people uh, to not, you know, like this idea that you'll never own anything, you'll always have to rent, you know, like all the WF stuff, like, right, this all, all of this is part of this, like, rejection of the sort of the mainstream status quo. And I think, so they are prepared to sell it, and this, this alternative, even if they know that it's, that it can't, it won't work. Um, because, because in the subsequent chaos they think even if there's a chance that they can roll something out different something better something that pushes back against that machine that that's what they want and and so then again though like i you know i ask myself and you know and i think that there are there are diehards i think within that those circles who think that way and who want those things um do i think that a majority of albertans agree with that i don't think so 
you know um you know and, and that goes back to you know again like what actually a comment you made early on and like i keep asking myself too like why why you know I, i'm an environmental law guy why am i talking about this but so much of it is driven by these environmental issues in particular right things like climate change um and, and even maybe and maybe taking a step back and, and just really the notion of science and evidence and and how that informs our policy and our political choices and our political debates so so i do think it is essentially just like it's a rejection of of the dominant worldview and or or anyways of our worldview and and being prepared to sort of like roll the dice with something you know for something else even and and even if that doesn't pan out and it goes really sideways well it's not that bad because again really rejecting the 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 status quo it's yeah it's it's just remarkable to me because like again it, it it feels like they're they're trying to sell a vehicle with square tires and i mean the the two things that immediately come to mind are a the the premier who couldn't even put gas in his car says that thing ain't gonna drive and b i i am at a loss for how it would even get off the lot which seems to be one of the criticisms that that a lot of people are making if if you were to for for people who aren't hyper engaged in this who people for people who don't have a background in in law or who don't follow this on a daily basis what's the biggest thing that you would like albertans to to know or to hear about the the free alberta strategy and the alberta sovereignty act you know when you go about your day you wake up in the morning you make your coffee or you go pick one up on the way to work and you do that and and you don't think you know and then you you drop your kids off or you pick them up and you go about your day you go to work and then you come home and 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 sometimes it's good and sometimes it's tedious and sometimes it's hard but you go to bed and you sort of say okay well you know and another day and and you move on and and maybe you look forward to some holidays or something i don't know all of that depends on these institutions and these institutional arrangements that we don't think about very often and but they are critical and they are things like the courts they are things like uh in you know impartial independent courts they uh, you know police forces that also act in a non-political and impartial way um and and legislatures that understand that um while they represent for instance they are our represent you know they are they represent our democratic will for sure but they are not unencumbered they are not unconstrained that there are checks and balances there that exist uh, on them as well right and so what i would say to people is to sort of like stop and think about what you know because i think you know we we do i, I think most folks would like if you stop thinking about oh yeah like yeah the courts like they don't they they're the there's the judges and there's the building but you know like things just sort of happen courts say things have to be a certain way and then they are um like to think of that as an example or to think about how you know examples we have sort of classic examples in Canada and maybe this is a little bit less common but like there have been times when politicians overreached um and they got hammered for it right like and the famous one is this one that i always go back to um Duplessis, Maurice Duplessis in Quebec, uh, and it's actually really relevant. In fact, if, if can I will you permit me to give this sort of like um, yeah. so this is you know from the in the fifties and sixties, Jehovah's Witnesses in Quebec um, are starting to sort of like they're they're like stronger or they're starting to become uh, more more popular and they're pamphleting and Duplessis is a Catholic and he's like I'm not having any of this 
And, and so the, the crackdown is severe. Um, they're being thrown in jail. Um, and there's this restaurant owner, uh, Roncarelli, Frank Roncarelli, and he starts using his profit, like his liquor profits from liquor sales in particular, to post bonds to like get Jehovah's Witnesses out of jail. So he was a Jehovah's Witness too. And, and the premier revokes his liquor license for that reason, that he doesn't like what he's doing. And this is like kind of like, this is canon in administrative law. This is one of like the main cases that we teach where the Supreme Court said, of course you can't do that. Of course you can't just on a, just because you don't like something, you can't exer- you can't use this power to then take away this person's civil rights, right? And, and it's their ability to make a living and all that kind of stuff. Everything, all power is constrained by the rule of law, right? And, and so, you know, like we, we stop and think about what kind of province you are living in suddenly when, when the premier says that she's going to tell the police who to arrest and not to arrest, right? When, or, and when she starts saying, yeah, I, I don't like that judgment, so I'm not going to listen to it. We're gonna ignore that court. There's no way to hold that kind of person accountable. And you may think that they are your, you know, and that's what, and that's, to me, that's the definition of tyranny. When you have a, a person or a group that cannot be held accountable because they've essentially, they've, they've um, essentially um, neutered, you know, like they've disabled the, the mechanisms of accountability, um, then like, is that really the kind of province we want to live in? Does anybody want to live in that kind of province? I certainly don't. Um, and, and so I, that is, I think, you know, to come back to your, to your question, I think I, I get it. People are frustrated. There's lots of, you know, there's a lot of things going on, um, you know, and I, and I want to say this to those people who are in particularly, you know, like have a very strong view about Ottawa, for instance, um, I may not share that view. I look at things a little bit differently for sure. Um, but I would, I would really urge them to stop and think about what it is they're, you know, the gamble they're, they're making basically, because they may think that Miss Smith will be their tyrant for hire. But the thing with tyrants is that they're really only their own. And, and, and again, and I, I refer to this in the sense that someone who refuses to be held accountable, that, that's really to me the definition um, of tyranny in that kind of like modern democratic sort of like 20th century sense. Um, of course, they go on, some have gone on to do atrocious things and that then tends to be the focus there. But, but for me, it really just comes down to this is that, you know, and it's interesting for, you know, a, a, a political movement that tends to, to sort of like say that your, our leaders are actually there to serve us, right? Um, this is the, the exact opposite of that. You will, you will find yourself in a situation where the leader has clearly said that they serve themselves and, and, what, and their view of things. And once they've disabled those other mechanisms, like then, then, then we're at their whim, right? And I just think that's such a, you know, and, and of course that could happen anytime, but when someone's t- telling you that that's what they want, that that's how they see things, I think that that is, again, like I'll say, like, I think at that point you just say, no, that's, that's going too far. That's, um, and really like just from a self-interested perspective, right? That that's just not the kind of person you want to have leading your province. Anything else you'd like people to hear? Anything else you'd like people to know? There was the, the one interesting point that you mentioned, you know, you talked about you know, the historical examples, um, you know, and you, re- you referenced COVID, right? And the fact that we just finished these, you know, 
So in fact, actually, if you if you look at history and you read about it, then it's like, actually, that that's in a sense what makes me like if I hesitate sometimes to talk about this, then it's like remembering that because it means essentially that we are super primed. Like when you think about when democracies failed in the 20th century, it was around these sort of like significant events, oftentimes when people were, you know, essentially like, uh, yeah, out of out of balance, out of kilter, um, struggling, the things were in a bad way, lots of frustration. And then that one person comes in and says, I'll fix it. I can fix this. Trust me. Um, and, and they start launching into sort of like simplistic solutions as well right and scapegoating other people and then you know and essentially it's like a playbook from there you know and again like we, we it's amazing that we've been talking about all of this and we haven't talked about donald trump um but you know like i mean he's the, the like the paradigm example right now of this stuff right and and look where it ended like it did it did end with violence right and, and i guess ending is maybe that's optimistic of me i think that this this is not yet over but but it's certainly the, right. It led some to nuclear problems that apparently need to be worked out. Right. Yeah. You'll have to sort that out now, but you know, um, and we saw again, like we saw that in coots. I mean, we, there were people prepared with armed weapons. Right. And so this is the other thing that's just really problematic about all of this is that, you know, like, you know, there are, even if, you know, I think the most generous interpretation here is that Smith is, you know, Miss Smith and her crew, like they're just trying to send a message, right? That they don't they don't intend to go through with any of this stuff. It's just a just to send a message to Ottawa to back off. I think she sort of said something like that recently. Some of the people who are voting for her, they're not they're not they're not half in. You know they they don't think it's just a symbol. They're they're expecting to see right. They want results. They've been they've been cranked up and torqued and and they expect to see this this stuff just like a whole bunch of mega folks did right in, in the US and when they don't get that things can go sideways right um, and and so that's why again it's also on top of everything else it's also just like hugely irresponsible and again disqualifying in my view um, because there are always going to be people like you always have to be I think as a leader if you're if you're claiming that you want to be a leader a uh, politician that you have to be mindful that there's always going to be groups that, will take it that, you know, like people will receive your message a certain way and some will, some will receive it, you know, 120%, right? Like 150%. That's just the way it is. There's always going to be, maybe that's a small group, but, but they always exist. And, and you kind of have to calibrate your messages and your, and your, and your promises, I think in, in keeping that in mind. And it seems like that, that sort of like just basic, like sort of guidepost that's gone. And, and instead it's just like full tilt. Um, and, and again, I think uh, if, if things happen in a bad way, you know, no one can say, well, we didn't see that coming. Like, I mean, of course you did. We've been watching it for the past three years. I got one more question just cause it percolated up in my head and I'm notorious for saying one more question. So I'm gonna ask you one more question, but I also think it might highlight the importance of the role that the court plays when it comes to mitigating some of the decisions that politicians make in the legislature. Uh, it came out this week, for anybody who's playing the home game, we're recording this in the evening of August 13th, it came out earlier this week that Doug Schweitzer has uh, announced that he's going to be leaving as an MLA sometime, we don't know when. 
and there was a bunch of debate that happened in regards to, so is there going to be a by-election then? Because the, the, the general rule from the, the laws and stuff is that in the last year of the life of the legislature, you don't have to have a by-election. And the debate that's been going on has been, well, they've created these mandatory election dates, fixed election dates. Every four years, it's going to be this in May. That's what's happening. It's done. Deal. Every four years. Um, and so there, there were some people who argued, well, that means the life of the legislature is four years. There's other laws that say that existed prior to this change of the four-year election cycle that say, well, actually, it's five years. And there was a lot of debate that happened as to, okay, what's it going to be? And what I found particularly fascinating was the, the response from most of the, the legal scholars or the lawyers. I mean, there were a lot of us who were just like pundits and shit, and we were like, no, that's my thing. But the response from most legal scholars and lawyers was, well, that's for the courts to sort out. And so it kind of highlights to me um, the, the fact that, you know, parliamentarians are fallible and they will make, they will overlook these things. And then you end up in a situation like we have with Mr. Schweitzer and everybody's going, oh, what's next? And if we don't have the courts to sort that out, we got some very real problems. But I'm curious, what's, what's your take <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'll give you the lawyer's answer. I mean, I'd have to, I'd want to see the law, right? Like, I need to see the, the and I think what it, you know, like, if if there are uh, like lawyers, uh, commentators who are going there, then I'm what I'm going to suggest is that there probably are maybe two different laws on the books, and and sometimes that happens where you have to sort of then look at them and sort of say, okay, which one takes precedence here, right? Or or what are, or how do they work together? But you know, I think the the point that you know, I think there's a really, I think you're absolutely right to be like. Oh yeah, like we're we're you know politicians are fallible, and of course judges are humans too, but but they have their own system of accountability, right? And they're deliberately very different, right? So in the in in the legislature, we expect our our MLAs to represent our our sort of democratic sort of will, um, and when we when they don't, we vote them out every four years, right? We don't vote for our judges, you know, they're appointed and they're independent, and but that's not to say that they are without accountability. Their accountabilities are exist in the system of appeals, right? So we have the Court of Queen's Bench, and then we have the Court of Appeal, and then some cases, not all, uh, but some portion of cases will be appealed to the Supreme Court, right? Um, and, and it's really like one of the things that kind of drives me bonkers is that, you know, you get these sort of like broadside attacks against the Supreme Court, um, but the, the reality is that in Canada, at least, we've managed actually to not politicize our judiciary the same way that they have in the states, right? So um, you can't actually, in any given instance, really like finger one judge or the other based on who appointed them, um, which way things are going to turn out, you know. And and I, you know, I think what I would remind again those who are sympathetic to Miss Smith and and her views, um, I mean, our Chief Justice right now was appointed by Stephen Harper. Right. But, you know, and he but he's the chief justice who, for instance, wrote the Greenhouse Gas Pricing Act, Pollution Pricing Act reference that decided that actually it was constitutional. Right. Notwithstanding what the Alberta Court of Appeal said, um, we have we have like these, these systems are not perfect. 
they are not perfect. And in fact, for instance, you know, like the, the Court of Appeal here in Alberta has weighed in on a few things that I've, and I've disagreed very strongly with their opinions on, on some matters, right? But then there's a system for that. I, I can write scholarly articles. I can, I can maybe intervene or, or whatever. Um, if you don't, if anybody doesn't like something, they, they're free to engage that space too. And that's not to say that it's easy. I'm not pretending that it's easy, but, but there is a system and it's built the way it is for a reason. And, and tearing it down doesn't work. It doesn't, the, the thing that comes after isn't going to be better. Um, and there's just a certain fundamental logic to it um, that is just like, again, it keeps me safe and free, but it also keeps those people like, it, it keep, you know, people that again, I, and I don't want, like, I don't mean that in any kind of wrong way, like, but this system for everybody who's frustrated about Ottawa, you have actually levers and tools that you can use. And, and of course, and, and political sort of freedom. Imagine what would happen, how, how you would react if it was Justin Trudeau saying he's going to ignore the courts, you know, which for all his faults and all his problems, like he has never, he has never said. Um, imagine, and in fact, the one time, right, of course, one of the main scandals against the Trudeau government was that they had tried to interfere in the prosecution of SNC-Lavalin. Well, Danielle Smith is saying straight up, she would tell the cops that even though people were, you know, like in, in the case there of those ministers that they were breaking the law, that she would not, she would tell the police to stand down. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. You can't have a premier or a prime minister who tells law enforcement who to essentially charge and not charge. The same way Casey Madu, when he gets a, a speeding ticket or, or a ticket for being on his phone, can't call the police up, the chief of police, and complain about his ticket, right? Because we don't want politicians to be making those calls on a whim. Part of, the, part of what protects us is that there is a professional police force that makes those decisions and they're accountable too, right? They're accountable in their own way. So like all of this stuff, there's a reason for it. And, and, and it's cumbersome sometimes and it gets in the way of people who want to have that kind of like monolithic power but that's on purpose because we don't want people to have that monolithic power. I can't think of a better note to end it on because <laughs> I agree with you hundred um, percent. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to chat uh, and to, to clarify some of these things, because I think that, that one of the things that we're, we're missing is we have a lot of politicians who are willing to say whatever it takes that they feel will get them closer to uh, more power. Um, and if we don't stop and, and listen to people who actually know the things, we're, we're going down a very dangerous road. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat tonight. You're welcome. Like I said, it's, um, it's hard to, it's hard. I'll have to, like, I, I thought a lot about this in the, ahead of time in my own brain, how to, how to convey these things. So anyways, hopefully it's a conversation that we keep having all of us in Alberta and, um, and, uh, and, and hopefully um, we don't have, you know, if, if, if in three months from now, they're saying, yeah, see, you were stressing for nothing. Uh, I won't, I won't complain. Um, I'll, I'll be okay with that. I'll say yay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll, I'll we'll, do we'll, a join, we'll, we'll, we'll join here for beers. Yeah. I'll get some sparklers. It'll be great. <laughs>
As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love it if you swung by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab and signed up for a small monthly sponsorship of the work that we're trying to do here. It is because of the support that we receive from our Patreon sponsors that we're able to continually up our game, and it is tremendously appreciated. So I want to throw a big thank you out to them. And you can go ahead and visit that website and join and support us as well because we need all the help we can get. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of these important conversations. And we will see you next time on The Breakdown.